I, I love that question you know, of just like, what was your worst, uh, awful, awkward date? And as I was just thinking about it, uh, mine was my very first Valentine's Day uh, with my wife. Uh, and so we, yeah, no, that's not a good one, by the way, if you're taking notes to have your worst date. Uh, and so mine was with my very first Valentine's Day with my wife. That was just about 11 years ago. And we were living in Chicago at the time, and we're going out, and we're walking down the street called Rush Street, and Rush Street in Chicago has all these amazing, I mean, just amazing uh, restaurants. I mean, like four-star, there's like, you know, movie stars outside of the restaurants, like hanging out, and Jenny's walking, looking, and wondering, which one are we going into, you know? And I show up and stop right in front of Johnny Rockets. <laughs> and I just, I, I, you know, again, I'm a guy, so I'm at a disadvantage in this whole relationship thing. I'm not real quick, but I, I cued in real, well, real fast that I made a mistake. You know, she looked at me completely disappointed and just going, seriously, dude? Our very first Valentine's Day. Now, I'm from Santa Cruz, so we don't have Johnny Rockets or any of that cool stuff, you know. I didn't know it was a chain that everyone had. Um... <laughs> But, but, but here's, you got to say, my heart was right. Uh, you know, when we first got married, uh, the first couple months, everything went wrong. Like, I mean, like our honeymoon was crazy. We just celebrated last year our 10-year anniversary. We did our redo on our honeymoon. Uh, we're calling it our honeymoon because it's like we needed a redo. Like our honeymoon, we both, we both got sick. I got food poisoning. We, our cards got stopped. We literally had no money, could do nothing, and was sick the whole time. Not only that, her parents were on the same island as us. <laughs> going like, okay, that's awkward. Oh. But they were staying in the nice resort, and we're down in this dumpy area. So we go visit them. And then, and then we came back from our honeymoon to find out that our car got smashed up. We had loaned it to a friend. And in Chicago, you get these huge storms. And so you got these, uh, you know, snow plows that were moving. They just happened to miss our car and not miss noticing our car. And so snow plow is moving snow, and it just hits the side of our car and then just kept going. <laughs> it was awful. I mean, the whole, you couldn't open the door on that side, barely. And so it's going like, okay, man, we come back. And then our, our, uh, our toilet flooded our entire apartment. This is our first, first month of marriage, you know. This is the way it started out. And then I literally, I mean, I literally ran Jenny into work. And so she worked at Pottery Barn at the time. And as, as we're at Pottery Barn, taking her to Pottery Barn, we're driving as I'm driving, you know, there's this left-hand turn, and there's two cars lanes, but I only thought there was one, and this car stopped for me right here. I didn't know there was another lane. Uh, and so as I turned and went through it, and I kind of gunned it, and I was young then, you know. Uh, I thought I was a cool driver. The car comes flying down. I didn't see him. Hits the side of her car. Thankfully, the same side that got hit by the snowplow, mind you. Um, <laughs> we spin. Uh, full rotation and then go all the way up the sidewalk and I literally ran her into the side of Pottery Barn. I mean, I literally ran her into work. So all this is the backdrop for our Valentine's Day, our very first Valentine's Day that we've ever got to spend together was when we were married because most of our dating life was long distance. And, you know, I was thinking, man, it's been crazy. It's been chaotic. My wife really loves the 50s. I thought, here's the problem, guys. 
This is, we, we're at such a dis, disadvantage when it comes to relationships. I thought in my head I was being thoughtful. You know, I was like, oh, she loves the 50s. This is going to be awesome. And now I started off good, mind you. I did. I did. I did. I started off good. I got, anybody remember Nora Jones? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So I got her like a Nora Jones CD and had candles, you know, in our apartment and flowers. And I was expecting that music to be played later in a different circumstance. I'm like, all right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And so we're sitting right outside Johnny Rockets. And I just see the most disappointed look after we walked past all these amazing restaurants. We go in, and a gal that uh, went to my uh, college was, happened to be working there. And, uh, and she goes, and there's like, there, Johnny Rockets had a Valentine's Day special, you know? <laughs> we'll take one of those. She's like, yeah, I didn't know anyone. And she said this to us as I'm sitting here across from my wife. I didn't know anyone actually take us up on the Valentine's Day special. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you're killing me. Thank you very much. And everyone around us was uh, grandparents with their kids and, and Johnny Rockets. Needless to say, that night was not, didn't work out the way I planned it. Um, and, you know, we didn't talk at all across. I didn't even get my milkshake, which I was really looking forward to. I, that was, I was really bummed. I'm like, I want that milkshake. That's awesome. And she's like, no, I'm ready to go home. Okay. <laughs> and she just goes to bed, and we're facing opposite directions our very first Valentine's Day. Now, here's, here's the great part. When you start that low... <laughs> Now, guys, I'm not saying, you know, but if you start that low, there's only one way to go. And I'm telling you, (laughs) her expectations are so low that we've we've had great Valentine's Days ever since. (laughs) But relationships are hard, aren't they? I mean, they they just are. And, And you get it. We all have this deep, deep longing to be in a relationship that is life-giving to experience true intimacy. Now, here's something I love. That was uh, almost 11 years ago, and I was just writing in my journal this last week, and it wasn't even in pertaining to this series. It was just, just thanking God and realizing today I am more in love with my wife than I was when the day I said I do to her. Yeah, man. And she is my best friend in the whole world. We have an absolute blast together. And we're on this crazy journey together and watching God show up in our relationship, in our family, and through us. And here's what I long for you and for us in this time, that we all get to experience that. We're broken. We don't have it perfect, and we have all kinds of mess-ups, and believe you me, you're going to hear more of my idioticness as far as in regards to relationships. But in the midst of that, there's some things that God has laid out that allows, has allowed us, 11 years later, going strong and can't wait for the next 20-some-odd years to experience life-giving joy, true intimacy. 
That's the longing here, is that as we kind of launch this series, Barbie Ken and the Fated Human Race, that you would experience God's best for you in relationships. In the most significant relationship of your life outside of your relationship with God is the relationship of your mate. And you would be able to have the tools necessary in your relationship where you're at, whether you're married or not, to begin to step into God's best for you. Because it's great. It's great. Now, here's, here's what's interesting, too. Uh, because the reason we named it Barbie and Ken and the fate of the human race is you understand this uh, to be true, even though we don't say it all the time. Because uh, how you and I do relationships matter, right? I mean, they matter. They don't just matter to you. They do, I mean, deeply, and we get so focused on us. But they also matter deeply to those around you. How you do relationships literally have this ripple effect outward. Uh, today is my daughter's nine-year birthday. Thank you. Very excited. Now, now my weekend's been crazy. Last night we had girls, uh, had a girls' sleepover party, and I felt like it was a ton of girls. There was only four of them. Uh, <laughs> And girl, I mean, she's already kind of getting into that whole deal of like, okay, she's a girl, you know, and so she's, all she wanted, and she did not want her two little brothers in her room, she prepared a room, and all they do is they sit in the room and talk. I still don't, I mean, I, I, I don't understand it, you know, and they're like happy as a clam, you know, just hanging out in their room talking. Now here's what's fun. My wife last night is going and listening to the door as the girls are in the room talking, you know. Yeah, you want to know what they're talking about. And she overheard one of the girls, Maddie, uh, and these four girls, she said, hey, why don't we pray right now? And then Ella goes, yeah, I got this little prayer thing, and let's take prayer requests. These four girls in their room on their own go around and take prayer requests, like write them down. And then they go and they pray for one another. Nine, 10, 11 year old girls. How we do relationship matters because more is caught than taught, isn't it? And what is experienced there is just simply they're doing what they've seen their parents do. How we do relationships will forever leave a mark on your kids, even whether you have them or not yet. Most likely, many of you will, and it will have this ripple effect. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, one of our neighbors was talking to Jenny. And we, you know, I was sharing last week, we hang out with our neighbors a lot. We're in our front yard a lot and just talking and we do some of these barbecues and whatnot. And one of our neighbors came up to Jenny and she was just talking to Jenny. And she's like, hey, you know, it seems like you and Ryan are, you're, you're like really friends, aren't you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're best friends. Yeah, it seems like you guys have a lot of fun together, huh? Yeah. And she goes, huh. Maybe there's hope for me too. See, how you do relationships matters, not just even for you, not just for your kids, 
but even for the watching world around you? Could it be that perhaps even the fate of the human race depends on it? That's why we're doing this series, Barbie and Ken and the fate of the human race. Let me pray and we'll dive in. God, thanks for tonight. Thanks for the time together. We ask and invite you to be our teacher. This is such a big deal and such a big topic. And we desperately need you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your notes, go ahead, open them out, uh, open them up, rather, and we're going to dive in. I'm going to give you kind of the big box top picture in case you got to leave early. You can uh, go, okay, I got the big box top picture. Here it is. Here's the big idea for tonight. The fate of the human race rests not on the expectations we have, but on the foundations we laid. The fate of the human race rests not on the expectations we have, but on the foundations we have laid. Yeah, we come into relationships with all kinds of expectations, don't we? All kinds of dreams and desires and things that we have hope for. I mean, some of you have this whole picture in your mind of how it's going to be, and you're going to have the white picket fence and the house and two point five kids, and I don't know why you want half a kid, but okay, and the dog. But it rests not on those expectations, but on literally the foundations you have laid, the pre-groundwork, what's holding up that house. Uh, but we step into relationships with a ton of expectations, and that's where I got Barbie and Ken here, because guys, whether you know it or not, woohoo. <laughs> Ken was trying to get away. <laughs> Runaway groom. Um, is that ladies have been playing with this since they're like five years old. They've been dreaming about their wedding day. They know their colors by nine, okay? And they are looking and dreaming about what their life is to look like. And, and we have this picture, don't we? And we dream it up in our head, and it's kind of this fairy tale esque picture. And in reality, I think a lot of times it's just fantasy. And it's, it's just what these dolls are it's hollow, it's plastic, it's not real. And so many relationships fall by the wayside because we have these fairy tale fantasies of relationships, these expectations that no human could meet with no foundation to support it. It's plastic. I mean, just think about Barbie. Yeah, because just, uh, I was doing some research, some deep research, you know, and Wikipedia'd Barbie. <laughs> uh, you know, if Barbie was a real life person, her, um, this region here would be 36 inches wide, around. But her waist then would go from 36 large to 18 small. And then back out, her hips would be 33 inches. I mean, it's like, wah, 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 you know? <laughs> Literally, her torso is so thin that her, um, in, you know, vital organs would have no place to be. <laughs> no lie. Uh, and, and then, like, she has such small feet that, that she would literally have to walk on all fours. <laughs> and yet that becomes our picture, because every one of you has a picture, don't you? 
You have a picture in your mind, whether you're a guy or a girl. I, I know girls think about it a lot more, but guys, we have a picture too. We have a picture of what a relationship looks like, and some of it's not a good picture. Some of you are like, I long for that, but I don't because I saw a really bad picture, and I want out. But we have a picture of how relationships are designed to be. Those are the expectations we have. And what Jesus wants to talk to us tonight, what God wants to invite you in, it says, it's not about your expectations, but it's about the foundations you've laid. Some say the secret to a happy marriage is lower your expectations. Jesus would say, lay a solid foundation. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 27. We're just going to look at um, a passage that you wouldn't necessarily look uh, to as a relationship passage, but one where Jesus begins to give some groundwork or foundation work for us of what it looks like, what it means, why foundations are so critical, so important for us in relationships. Here's what Jesus says, verse 24. Therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now, the context here is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon, and he's outlined what, how relationships work and how life in the kingdom. And he starts off with the Beatitudes, blessed be the poor in spirit. Literally, that word blessed, happy. And the secret to happiness, you know, and he's, he's outlining it, saying blessed are those uh, who, uh, now I went blank on every single Beatitude. There you go. But he's saying happy. And he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. If you just circle that word wise, we'll get back to it in a second. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Because it had found its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a what? foolish man. You can circle that man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is going to say, your relational foundation, here it is, this whole passage summed up in one sentence, your relational foundation, or your, yeah, will determine your relational success. Not the expectation you have, but the foundation you laid will determine in large part the overall success. We know this about any structure, right? The foundation is critical. If you don't lay a great foundation, the whole structure won't be stable, sustainable. Think about your relationship. The, your relational foundation will determine your relational Success. One of the most important questions you can be asking, whether you're married or single, dating or engaged, what is the foundation of my relationship? What is my foundation built on? Because that, not the expectations, not the picture you have, not that love will just get us through. No, but what's underneath that? Let me give you just maybe three building blocks of a foundation. It's all the way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And it's just really some in the beginning type thoughts. Genesis 1 is just the very first thing that we have, the very first words of God about how relationships are designed and to work. He says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them first foundational block we see there is relationships were God's idea and his design. They're his idea. Just think about that. 
They're his design. So, I mean, if you take the logical conclusion, relationships work best when you allow God to be the designer. Maybe one of the big applications for you is you've been trying to do relationships in your way or whatever you've seen. And you just say tonight for the first time, and whether you're married, it might be where you're at, maybe you're single or dating, say, God, God, tonight, would you put God at the center of your life and at the center of your relationship? Relationships work best and are designed when God's are, are allowed, uh, are successful when God's allowed to be the designer. See, the first thing we see out of here is just relationships with God's idea. idea. He's not this fuddy-duddy out to get you. He's not like any of those sort of things. You know, like We think he's like this guy that doesn't want us to have fun. He's like, no, I want you to have the best life ever. And so I'm giving you the tools to help you do that. And his idea. The second thing you see is you have intrinsic value. Right now, right where you're at, you have, do you notice what uh, he said here? He said, in the image of God. You know, you see that? And then he repeats it. He says, he created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, God didn't stutter. It wasn't like he just kind of stuttered. It, he said, this is a really big idea, really big point. Because relationships go sideways when our expectation is when we're looking to that someone, to that guy or that gal, to, to say we are valuable. And there's people screaming, saying, please say I'm worth something, and putting themselves out there and saying, will you complete me? God says, time out. You have intrinsic, built-in value, not because he likes you or says this about you, not because she is this, but because I made you and what I said about you, and I made you as a reflection of me. You have value because I made you. Stop trying to find your fulfillment in that relationship. You're already beautiful, valuable. And what God thinks of you, by the way, is so much bigger than what he or she thinks about you. And the flip side is true too then, isn't it? He or she has intrinsic value. It wouldn't change how we operated in our marriage or in our dating life if we started with this reality, if we started with the reality of they are made in the image of God. I'm beholding an image bearer of God here. That would change the way you would talk to that person, wouldn't it? Change the way you interact. It would kill all that scamming crap of using people. I don't know, this may be a, a new pickup line for you guys. And God said you were made in his image, and boy, was he right. <laughs> just saying, just saying, it can't be any worse than what you've been trying. <laughs> just saying. It's one of these foundational blocks because as long as you are searching for someone else to fulfill and satisfy and bring you value, at some point the foundation will crumble down because they can't. 
and you are already valuable. Uh, last thing under here is you are different by design. Last foundational building block is you are different by design. I remember, uh, I don't know, it was a few years back where Jenny just kept saying this over and over to me. Ah, oh, we're just so different. I go, yeah, but is that a bad thing? I mean, we're really, really different. I'm not just talking about physical makeup. Uh, we get that. We see that. But, I mean, then you get into it and you realize, man, we're different. I mean, my wife loves change. I mean, she loves it. I come home almost every day, and our living room's rearranged. If you ever come over to our house, like our couch is moved so many times, I don't know what's normal, you know? <laughs> and I love, like, consistency. I eat the same thing for breakfast every single day. I'd eat the same thing for dinner if I could. I don't care. It's not a big deal. I just like to have things regimented the same. You're different. And here's the interesting part. When you begin to embrace you're different by design, then you be understand, okay, our differences make us better. You're designed different to be stronger together. But here's what happens is our differences often become this rubbing point at some point and you go, oh, you're so different, and it just kind of breaks us up, right? No, you're just too different. We look for people to become same as us. We're searching for uniformity once we get into, it was the opposite that attracted you, and then once you get into a real relationship, it's those opposites that like totally annoy you. We look for uniformity instead of unity. He says you are different by design. It's just a few in the beginning thoughts. What is the foundation you are building your relationship on? If you in the beginning thoughts, relationships with God's idea, you have intrinsic value, you're different by design. Your relational foundation will determine your relational success. Second thing we see in the passage here is storms simply reveal the strength of your relational foundation. They don't break you and they don't necessarily make you. They just reveal what you have been building on. Did you notice that? And you got two guys right there. We circled like the wise guy and the foolish. Now, now I know all of us, we want to be the wise person, I think. Yeah? Okay, thank you. One, thanks, Alan. Alan's in. The rest of you guys, I don't know about now, here's what's interesting, right? Did you notice this? Verse 25, if you look at it in your notes, verse 25, the rain came down on the wise man. No matter how good or godly you are, you will experience storms. Storms happen, expect them. We have, some, we have this idea that if you just marry the right person, then everything will work out right. That's like one of our expectations, right? We, then everything will work out right. We want it, it'll be easy, it'll be great, and storms happen. Wise person, then the storms came. You notice what it says in verse um, 27? The rain came down. Doesn't matter. Storms simply reveal the strength of your relational found. Expect them. They're going to come. Don't opt out at the first sign of hardship. You'll never grow, by the way. You'll never experience intimacy when the minute it gets hard, you get out. 
And I got to be honest, is a lot of people, the first major storm hits, and because they weren't focused on foundational work, they just collapse, and their relationship is just destroyed, caught off guard. And there's others that get hit by some big deal, and they go, oh, we're going to try to make it. But they never go back to really work on foundation issues, and so they just limp on a little bit longer. There's a couple of areas we experience storms. Uh, the first area is in the area of circumstances. And right next to that, just write, out of my control. Circumstances are things that are out of your control. You know, it's the area of if you have, uh, you know, like a, like a literal storm. You know, if you ever had that and you had your house wrecked and there's some stuff like that, there's a health issue. You get the biopsy report. Stuff with kids happens at school that's out of your control. It is something that we're experiencing here, a lot of it, because I think God's on the move, but with our team, just spiritual opposition. I guarantee you, if you decide tonight, hey, you know what, we're going to do some foundational work, we're really going to work on our, our relationship, we're going to make some decisions, expect opposition. Those are things that are outside of your control, but then the flip side is not circumstances, consequence. Galatians uh, 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature reaps destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit reaps life. Now here's the deal. You and I reap what we sow. It's the law, big law of the harvest. And a lot of the things that we experience are simply consequences. They're consequences. You never reap in the same season that you sow. So there's some things that are popping up. And I had this real big epiphany with my kids. Because I wanted to invest. I have young kids. I, you know, Ella just turned nine. Ryder's six. And Miles is three. Now, I could just kind of go and go, you know what? They won't really notice. And I'll, I'll spend time with them later. And, you know, there's a lot of work going on but you never reap in the same season that you sow. Right now, they run to me. When I come home from work, they're like, Dad, and it's awesome. I'm like, yeah. But you reap both good and bad what you sowed. You go, okay, now is the sowing season so that when they get their teenage years, we still have a relationship. I still have influence. If I build influence now to have influence later, how about you in your relationship? Is some of the stuff you're experiencing, you've been blaming and putting off to circumstance, and really it is simply consequence. Storms happen. They simply reveal the strength of your relational foundation. Finally, what you are doing today in your relationships is laying the foundation for your relationships tomorrow. We, you know, after all this, we need a little bit of hope. We need a little bit of direction. We need to know, okay, Ingram, what do I do next? Here's the reality. What you are doing today is laying the foundation for your relationships tomorrow. You are building on something. The question is, what are you building on? Every single one of us. And if you want to know, look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing. Did you notice what Jesus said? I love this. Uh, Because he had two things, the wise man, and what did he do? Put them into practice. 
foolish man, what did he do? Does not put them in to practice. There are some things for you that is not having good intentions because good intentions are simply like expectations. They don't get you anywhere. It's nice, good intentions, but it's what you do that makes the difference. And some of you need to make some decisions where you go, okay, I'm going to change my life and what I currently do. Let me give you a few areas to work on. These are foundational areas. First, patterns trump passion every time. What is the pattern of your life? You want to look at your foundation? Look at your patterns, not your passion. Patterns trump passion. Uh, What you do daily makes you. Uh, I recently got the chance to sit down with an old college buddy, a good friend, best friend for a long time, and we had a similar story. We were, uh, you know, grew up together in Santa Cruz. We played volleyball. We went on to college, played a little bit of volleyball there, Uh, and then we got married, and we kind of went different ways, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and we're sitting across, and this is the only type of conversation you can have with someone that's a real close friend, and he asked me this question. You know, Ryan, how come you and I landed so far apart? How come our lives turned out so differently? Because his first marriage ended just rocky. It was bad. And he ended up in this another relationship. They had a kid, and now they're, I think, in a great spot. And, I, you know, he's following Jesus now. And the only thing that came back to me was this line. Patterns. Trump passion. Because my buddy, I mean, a great guy. In fact, you know, he's the type of guy that when you hang out with him, you just want to hang out more with him. He's got that contagious laugh that just, you want to watch movies with him, you know, because he makes everybody laugh. And he's amazingly gifted. I mean, when you look at it, I just like, he's just an evangelist and so gifted, and yet our lives ended up so far apart. And he would have these passions, these moments of passion. He'd get real fired up. And for some of you, that's where you're at tonight, where you begin to hear on some of these things. You get real fired up. But what you do next defines you, not what you get excited about. Because the pattern of your life trumps what you're most passionate about every time. Aristotle has this, this quote. I just, you know, sit around and read old dead guys. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> that's not true. Um, but he has this quote. I love it. Uh, he, he says, uh, now I've got to look at it. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an event, but a habit. We are what we repeatedly do. Success is found in your daily routine. What is the pattern of your life? And you'll begin to see the foundation that you're building. Would you consider going back to the things we hit on? Okay, maybe it's submitting God's, uh, you know, who I am to the center of who God is beginning to order my life with God. Maybe it's going, you know what, I, I've been searching for other people to define me and bring value, and so the pattern of my life is I'm going to stop that for now, and I'm just going to go, God, I need to move and get what you think about me deep inside of me. Patterns trump passion every time. Next thing, character trumps chemistry every time. Character, who you are when nobody's 
looking. Trump's chemistry every time. And, and here's what we look at, and the expectations we have is, you know what, it's just going to click, and we're going to see him. I'm now playing with Barbie dolls. I just realized that. Uh, that scared me. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just had, like, what in the world am I doing? Um, but I'm going to see him, and I'm going to, I keep wanting, okay, I'm going to get away from them. Uh, and it's just going to click, and we're going to have this chemistry, and I'm going to flow, you know, and I'm going to walk back, and everything's going to be amazing. We have this chemistry. By the way, I got to tell you, chemistry comes and go, but your character, who you are, stays with you. Character trumps chemistry every time. After I got done teaching this this morning, a gal came forward and said, you know what? I wish I knew this then. She was in a hard marriage where, because it's on both sides, your character and then the character of the person that you're married to or dating. And she's like, I wish I knew this. I want everyone to know this because I went through a messy divorce, struggled and limped through a marriage for 13 years. And I had friends that told me, he's no good. But the chemistry was so good. And isn't it, I mean, especially in the dating, we're just blinded. We don't hear anything from anyone. And you would be more concerned with your character and the character of the person you're with than the chemistry you have. Because character trumps chemistry every time. Clayton Christensen um, author of the book, How Will You Measure Your Life? He's a uh, Harvard professor, and he's also, uh, you know, was a Rhodes Scholar and graduated, I think, from Yale. I mean, so he's, he's no schlump, right? And he was, uh, began to make this observation. He would go to these uh, reunions, and they'd throw these massive reunions for these guys because they're all multimillionaires now, and they'd throw these reunions, uh, and a five-year, everyone had it all together, and everyone was idealistic, you know, that no one got out of, you know, university when wanting to go, we're going to make lots of money. They're wanting to change the world. And everyone looked all good, and they're like, okay, you got your wife and your family, everything's starting to look good. And then 10 years, people didn't look so good. And life began to crumble. 15 year, they had their new wife. I mean, one of his classmates was the president of Enron. That, was, that company went bad, and he was in jail. So some of you don't know the story, I could tell. And he began to go, why is it? And he began to ask this question of, what if we applied the business principles we use to our personal lives? It's not, a, it's not a Christian book, but a great little book. And he has this quote in it, decide what you stand for, and then stand for it all the time. Decide what you stand for, and then stand for it all the time. And he gives this, this kind of little pithy little thing that stuck with me. Uh, 100% is easier than 98%. Doing something 100% of the time is easier than 98% of the time. 98% of the time gives you that wiggle room, right? It gives you like, well, I kind of do that. I almost always do it, but I kind of give in here. Decide what you stand for and then stand for it all the time. Have you decided what you will stand for? That's your character. How about you? Have you drawn the line in the sand of this is who I want to be and who I'm going to become? This is who I'm going to follow and pursue after. Decide what you stand for. Stand for it all the time because character trumps chemistry every time. And finally, preparation trumps promises. 
every time. Preparation trumps promises every time. We make promises all the time that we cannot keep. And there's thousands of people standing on a given weekend before a pastor like me and making promises to have and to hold, to honor and cherish in sickness and health until death do us part, that they have no ability to fulfill or complete. No, we did this all the, you know, I'd been, early on in a marriage, I'd make promises, oh, I really, really want to change, but I wouldn't go back and do the hard work to actually make sure that I would change because preparation trumps promises. You make all the promises in the world until you actually begin to do the work, you will not experience the change because preparation trumps promises every time. Uh, a lot of times when I do premarital counseling, I let the couple know, if you would work as hard as you have on your wedding day, on your relationship, chances are you're going to land real great. You'll experience a successful, life-giving, intimate marriage. Because most people spend all this work on their wedding day, and all this money, and all this time, and yet they don't invest in the relationship that matters most. Preparation trumps promises. Our wedding night, don't worry, I'm not going to go there. Um, my wife gave me this Bible. Now, now, we've done a whole lot of things and, you know, highs and lows and all this kind of stuff, but there's some things that we've done that I just look back on, and it wasn't like we were so intentional, but, but God in His grace, we've just laid some of these foundations. I love this because this is like, this is really one of the things that is just so incredible because I go back to this. She gave me this Bible on our wedding night, and she wrote me a note, and I just wanted to read it to you. Babe. That's me, by the way. <laughs> I was so blessed and edified by the Bible that you gave me last year at this time. I wanted to do the same for you. I'm so excited to be your wife and to do life together, to serve together, grow together, sharpen each other, encourage each other, to laugh together, to cry together. We'll see each other through rough times, but also through the good. It is so good to know that although our circumstances change, our emotions rise and fall, that God's word never changes, and that, it's a, that it is good, pure, nourishing, and full of life, that it will guide and encourage us through the tough times, and it will without a doubt strengthen our marriage. Babe, I want to be a wife that pushes you towards Jesus that encourages you in you, uh, who you are, and I want to be your partner in growing the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful to become your wife. What is the foundation that you're building your relationship on? Your relational foundation will determine your relational success. Storms happen, expect them. They'll simply reveal your foundation. The fate of the human race, it rests not on the expectations you have, but on the foundations you've laid. This last week, our mama's missional community kicked off, and it was awesome, and I was there uh, just watching some kids with some others who were helping, and, uh, and some of the boys that were there, they started taking these blocks, 
and, uh, and they're really trying to build it high, and it kept toppling over. And it reminded me, my kids now are into the Legos, like the real Legos, so we don't do this anymore. But we would get all the, the mega blocks that we could, or duplos, whatever you call these things, and we'd get all these blocks that we could find, and our goal was to build a tower that touched the ceiling. You ever been there? You ever done that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you still doing that? Okay, okay. Because we have other things. Okay. Now, here's what you know. To do that, because my kids would start and they would always get frustrated. They'd build it up, but they would only put one down and they'd build it up real high because they thought, man, I have more blocks to go higher, but inevitably it'd fall and they'd go, Dad, come on, can you help us? And what, what did we do? What did we do? Build a bigger foundation. Here's what I want you to do with this block this week. Will you take this and put this somewhere where you'll remember and just begin to ask this question, what is the foundation that you're building? Just to be that reminder, because here's the truth, right? What you're currently doing is laying the foundation for your relationship tomorrow. And you just take this, and maybe it's in your car, or maybe it's at your home, or wherever you have it, and people are like, why do you have a toy? And you, you can share them, hey, well, we're doing this series, Barbie and Ken, and you should come to it. Um, I know it's pink, so if you're a guy, close your eyes, and, and uh, whatever. <laughs> And you begin to go, okay. You'd allow this to be that visual reminder because we need that. We need that. Because we forget that what we're doing is currently laying the foundation for our relationship. If it's true, if it's true that your relational foundation will determine your re- relational success, then the most critical question you should be asking, and I should be asking, is what is the foundation we're currently building? And you just take this as that reminder. Now, as we hit some of this, I think some of you have been like, oh, I've so blown it. And I, I've experienced the storms and I've been swept out and I don't know if there's hope. And here's, here's what I'd say. There's hope. There's hope. And though you cannot go back and have a brand new start, you can start now and have a brand new end. No, you cannot go back and have a brand new start. You can't redo the things that have been done. Quit replaying those. Learn from them, but quit trying to go back there and say, you know what, today I can have a brand new start and have a brand new end. Would you step into that? Would you step into that tonight? Let's pray. God, I think what we're talking about is one of the most important things for us to get. And so I just pray for each person here that as whatever sank in with them, that you would give them the courage this week to step forward in what you're inviting them to, that this would be a community that experienced your grace and your love and experienced your best in relationships. In Jesus' name, amen.